This goes out to all my friends at home. I know you're there because you gotta be. Stand six feet to the left or six feet to the right. You gotta go lay all the day and lock the door. Shut the light back at the social distance. Social distance and blues. Yes, I do. You better do what you're told. Don't go on a cruise Can't give no one a hug Can't hold my baby tight You gotta wear a hazmat suit To get into a fight I got the social distance Social distance and blues I know you do too You better do what you're told Pay attention to the news For 20 seconds, don't go out to any shows. If you think you came in contact, you best not pick your nose. I've got the social distance, social distance and blues. Yes, I do. You better do what you're told. Don't share your cousins. I'll share with them now. the musical osmosis where intelligent diligent thought meets melodic euphonious reality i am your musically magnanimous host nick the saucy one cat source and i am broadcasting to you as always from meth mountain tennessee and i also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host calling in all the way from charm city you know who i'm talking about my pal odell hey what's going on my voice sounds weird today i don't know why I've been going horse the last couple of days. Uh, well, you know, in every man's life. <laughs> Maybe my body's finally telling me to shut the hell up. I talk too much. It's self-induced laryngitis. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just thinking How you doing? Um, dude, it is. I feel like I'm in that scene of in um, Planet of the Apes where it's like, it's a madhouse. A madhouse. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it is so crazy. And I've got this, um, you know, 
any kind of like Trump supporter, alt-right type person abandoned me years ago. They jumped off my page. But I've got that Rufus Waldorf account, and I opened it up to anybody that was in the D.C. Maryland bands, as you know. So mm-hmm. it's about 50% people on one side of the fence, people on the other side of the fence, like 50%, you know, left and right. And when I right. go through there, I don't ever comment on there because I don't want to get reported and have it taken down because I have it up there for all the bands. But um, just reading the comments, man, it is insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, t- I try to stay away from the comment section on certain threads just because um, – you know, some some comments are hilarious, depending on what type of thread it is. But there's some out there. You're just like, wow. I don't know if it, I don't know how you can sleep at night. Uh, I've calculated. I've taken 3.4 years off my life just by reading Facebook comment threads. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a real judgment. It it takes a lot to not respond to. Um, you know, some people it it, it can be easier said than done you know some people are like oh it doesn't bother me but for me i literally have to sometimes i'll have to get up and walk away and be like okay is this worth my time or or emotional emotions or sports uh, it's not worth your time yeah yeah so and it took me a little bit to figure that out but now i am uh i just i just tried to just move on see i shake my head and 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 keep it moving and i was reading this article today by this guy that wrote a book um, it called something along the lines of why you should quit all social media now. And it's just crazy because when I got on social media, especially, you know, I was one of the first people who really talked a lot about politics. Like back 10 years ago, people are like, this is social media, not political media. Um, you're supposed to yeah. just post like, cat pictures and pictures of your spaghetti on here or whatever. And um, it kind of went from me thinking, all right, what's the best way to express myself to get my point across? And then it kind of got to this point of like, what's the most likely outcome to me expressing myself? If it's just going to end up with a bunch of people flipping out on me and and not making right. any kind of movement, I don't even want – what's the point of even doing it? There's been times right. – I remember one time – here's how sick in the head I am. One time I called in sick to work to argue with somebody on Facebook. Oh, see. <laughs> and and I went and pulled up information after information and went to this website and verified and said, well, this website is ran by this server and these people are about this. And at the end of it just was like, screw you, snowflake block. And I was like, why yeah. Why did I spend six hours going back and forth with this guy when everything I was saying was just going to get chalked up to being fake news? Right. Right. And, and, and then that's, and that's what fuels so much more too. I mean, you get the people that get on certain sites and then, you know, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're going down to DC to a pizza shop and they're trying to shoot up the place or, you know, they're, they're running out in the middle of a protest with a AR 15 or whatever shooting because they're so hyped up on what they see on social media. And, um, and then it's like, that's not really reality. Unfortunately, you don't have to list, you know, your top 10, of this and this, it's not mandated that you have to do it, but some people are like, oh, I got to do it. I got to do it. I have to do this. I have to do that. You know? And, and um, I think that's where we get lost instead of we've lost that actual communication of, Hey, let's just, you know, talk about this now. You know, there's something for everybody on there. So they just use that but as their, their crutch. It's so extreme, dude. Like um, this artist, mm-hmm. Mrs. Smith, this badass guitarist had put something up today or yesterday rather about QAnon. And it was just a question. I was like, Hey, do any of you follow or believe in QAnon? 
And the comment threads were just like, and this person never puts anything up political. And it was like, shut up right. and just play music. I don't want to hear about your politics. And I was like, well, I don't understand what politics are you hearing about? They just asked a question. And we've right. gotten to this place yeah. now where, like, you go on Dolly Parton's page. It's like, you leftist, you radical leftist, shut up. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're at the point where Dolly Parton is a radical leftist in your mind, you've just really yeah. jumped the shark mentally. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dolly Parton, of all people. Right. And and all she's speaking is common sense. Uh, literally, that's all she's speaking is simple, plain common sense from a woman that's seen everything. I mean, she's seen it all. So it's not like she's coming out of somewhere where it's all it's just, you know, I'm just, I, I want to follow the trend. This is a woman that has been there. And and. I mean, but look at it. Look at remember. I think the other a uh, few weeks ago when uh, people were so out, you know, going nuts over the Dixie Chicks dropping the Dixie part of their name, and people were like, "Oh my gosh, why?" They're so, I was like, "Well, they actually were the first ones to come out against the the uh, the war in Iraq back in the Bush days." And people were, "Oh, you're not American." Da, 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 da. You remember all the countries, yeah. nations, and were steamrolling their albums just like you know. People were doing NWA back in the 80s when they were out there. You talk about the police. And, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, look at it now. <laughs> we had uh, Katie Frame on one of our shows from Reformed Whores a couple of years ago. And she said mm-hmm. something that's always stuck with me. And she was like, it's so bizarre that people expect people who express themselves for a living not to express themselves. Like they really think exactly. they're not going to get on social media and express themselves when they're going to do it more than anybody because they're expressive people. But it's like yeah, nobody's yeah. saying, oh, you're a plumber. I don't want to hear your political opinion because you're a plumber online. <laughs> exactly. So I mean, I, the, I, dude, the icing on the cake was when the guy uh, went off, or, or, or I think it was uh, Tom Morello. <laughs> and he was oh, like, from Rage? Man, yeah, I'm not listening to Rage Against the Machine anymore. I'm like, huh? What where? can they listen I, to, though? It's like we were saying last like, week where, like, <laughs> a guy driving in a Ford truck playing, like, Dolly Parton on the radio, NASCAR yes. bumper sticker with Goodyear tires. With, is with now Goodyear tires. Like, yeah, it's yeah. here. You're a radical leftist. It's, like, so it much outrage. It's just been, like, boycotted and canceled by that side. It's crazy. All right. Yeah, it's nuts, man. I am, All right, let's get back. I, I am upsetting myself. <laughs> that takes some tums now. Let me get our producer in here. Held up in yes. her medically sealed bubble in the next room, pushing all the important sanitized buttons, is yes, our wonderful is. producer, D Does Things. Three mm. Does Things. That's me. I feel like you we got to write you a jingle. Three yes. D Does Things. She's 3D, she's D, and she does things. Yes, she does. She does things. 3D, D. That's that was it. actually kind of cool. And, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's on record now, so we have it. It's yes. recorded. Yeah, my jingle would just be like crows crying. That's all my jingle would be. Just like sad crows. Uh, Yours would be much more upbeat. You're such a you're more of an upbeat person to me. I try. Um, yeah. So next month we have a rat infestation. Uh, no, we're yeah. gonna <laughs> we're gonna have Stephen Piercy <laughs> of Rat on the show. Uh, we've also got Squeaky from Year of the Fist coming in, King Buzzo from the Melvins, and Michelle Pennell from Le Saboteur. 
So, yeah, and you can check that all out on musicalosmosis.com, or you can just Google Musical Osmosis, and you'll probably find us. Um, and while you're there, definitely check out the new review that's going up this weekend by yours truly. I've never Ooh. written a band review. Yeah, I forgot about that. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I was in the mood. I'm I'm absolutely obsessed with this band. So, yeah, just go. It's definitely, like, it's going to be on my music list this week for sure. Like, probably two of the four spots. Like, it's That's that right. bad. We're going to do a big update on the website. We got a new artist yeah. spotlight and all yes. kinds of stuff coming on a website this weekend. So for be sure. on the lookout. Set yes. your Google calendar, kids. Musical Osmosis is moving up. Yeah, so go check yeah, out musicalosmosis.com. Right. And if you are still in need of a face mask or just in need of one that looks cooler, go to, this is easy, bit.ly. You know what that is, right? Bit.ly. You know, most of the cool kids know what that is. Uh, masks, the number four, U, you know, like the letter, and the number two. And that is uh, that will lead you to my Etsy store where you will find all kinds of Umbrella Academy themed masks because I'm kind of obsessed with that too. Are you? I didn't know that. Just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. All right. Are we ready to get today's guest in here? Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Today's guest is the super groovy, versatile guitarist and singer of the Roots Rock and Roll Rockabelly Twang Band, Lara Hope and the Arctones. Welcome the genre-crossing, vibrant, and talented Lara Hope is here. Howdy, howdy. Hello. What an introduction. It's all downhill from here. Yeah, well, <laughs> such is my life. So welcome to the club. <laughs> We're on the same trajectory is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for calling in. I know these are like yes. crazy, outside down, confusing COVID times. So thank you for taking time out. But I got to tell you, I am on your band page and it, you know, a lot of bands are kind of struggling as we move into this age of like digitally singing for your supper. But you seem to still be going at it full steam ahead. Oh, we try not to skip too many beats. I mean, we're, we're in New York, so, you know, we've only got another, let's say, two months of warm enough weather to be able to gig outside. So we're just trying to get them in as much as we can while it's still warm enough to do it. Yeah, didn't you do a social distancing gig the other night, like a backyard thing? Yeah, well, last night we actually hosted our first um, house concert. Um, we did like nice. a social distance backyard concert with a friend of mine who was traveling uh, and it was it was awesome. I really hope that uh, we can continue to do more. I mean, even beyond the age of COVID, I just think there's something special about an intimate house concert. Right on. Yeah. And it's like what I always ask people when they first call in. And this is kind of the episode standard is how you're dealing with the impact of the pandemic as an artist. But I got to say, like you and Matt, I see you everywhere playing live, like streaming shows on Mondays. And I think you actually did an outdoor concert not long ago, too. Right. So then yeah, we did, like um, we... <sighs> you're too hobbled by all of this. Yeah, well, I mean, there were no shows, at all, no, you know, live shows for a good few months there um, from, you know, I think our last gig was March, you know, like the 9th, I think. And then I don't think we played, you know, anything again until June something. So, you know, there was like three months without any live shows, which was very different than what we're used to. Um but we did kind of like hop on the virtual show pretty early in the game. As soon as we saw that things were getting shut down, um, we said, all right, you know, let's let's 
and we were very new to the virtual thing. I, we were not the type of people that were just always throwing up live videos or streaming our shows. I had never really done it, but we started uh, right in the beginning. We decided like, let's, uh, well, I mean, in part to the fact that this is what we do for a living. So it was just kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, we need to switch gears quickly and figure out like, how can we make this work? Um, so we, we quickly picked a day and a time. It was Monday night, 7 p.m., which was kind of because, you know, historically Mondays have always sucked and it's always been a night where like, there's not a lot going on or we always took off on tours. So we thought Monday would be a day where there wouldn't be a lot of other competition. Right. Um, smart. So since March smart, you know, 15th, we've done every single Monday night except for one week. So we've done probably 20 something Monday Ooh. night shows. Oh, wow. So, so with that being said, how, how has the reaction been? Cause I know there's a, there's been a few bands around here. I live in Baltimore, so I'm technically not that far away from you. And, um, uh, I know there's a few bands around here that do that. They, uh, they do it on different nights, but they've been doing a ton of them since, uh, all of this has happened and they, and they've had to get really creative. So, you know, one time they're doing their, you know, an album or they're doing a whole cover set or they're doing a request live as they're, if they can, if they can pull it off. So how, how, one, how has the reaction been? And two, how creative have you, have you had to get during this time? It's been, um, I'd say, uh, well, on, from a financial standpoint, it was great in the beginning and it was kind of exactly mm-hmm. what we expected. It was great in the beginning and then it kind of like plateaued for a little bit. And then as of late, it hasn't been really as good, but you know, it's still at this point really, you know, like every little bit helps. Um, right. But so we, you know, we also started writing as soon as the lockdown started. I, you know, I was kind of in strangely inspired by the pandemic. So we started writing a, a pandemic inspired album that we um, we finally just got a chance to release. We re- we recorded it from home. It was our first time recording ourselves. Um, so we we released it a few weeks ago. But it was like the Monday night show was giving us a chance to like workshop all of these new tunes that we were that we were working on. So there was like always something new. And um, okay. one there were a couple times. I know one night we did like a classic country uh, covers theme set. Of all just nice. like, you know, old, well, speaking of Dolly Parton, we did some Dolly Parton and some Hank Williams, Johnny Cash, uh, you know, Willie Nelson, stuff like that, and yes. Buck Owens and older stuff. So that was cool. And then, um, you know, we didn't see our bandmates for months, like five months. So we were, we always did like, I'd say like two thirds of the stuff as a full band, but we'd still fill in, you know, empty dates and, and sometimes tour as a duo with my husband as my bass player. So I was lucky that mm-hmm. I like, continued to have a musical partner throughout this despite the the, the quarantine um so mostly we did stuff as a duo but as as you know restrictions started to lift a little bit then we started adding our guitar player back in and we added did a couple with our drummer so in that aspect we were able to keep it fresh of like it's not even always the same lineup <laughs> nice but you did um what was that that what was a colony show you did it wasn't that long ago right an outdoor show it was, was it actually- friday night yeah, Colony um, Woodstock. Was that the first time you played with the whole band together since this happened? One, one, yeah, one live stream was the full band together, but this was the first like actual show in front of people in six months with the full band, yeah. Wow. So did everything okay. kind of fall right back into place? Did you even have a chance to practice first, or were you just kind of thrown into this? We rehearsed once. Um, before we had done the live stream a few a few weeks ago, but I actually had a little COVID scare last week. Um, oh boy! Oh wow! So we yeah, didn't yeah. rehearse because I was I quarantined for like six days waiting for my test results. So like those were the days that I would have liked to have a, another rehearsal. 
Um, mm-hmm. Luckily, my results did come back negative, but I think there was actually Good. salmonella going around, and I think maybe I had some mild salmonella. Uh, we live wow. in such a strange age where it's like you're glad to have salmonella. You're like, oh, I only had salmonella. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> strange times. So when you get on stage, is everything kind of just clicking or is it just unsettling because of the social distancing and the mask? Is everything strange? Or did you guys kind of just click right back into place? It felt so normal and felt so good. I mean, it was like the most normal and the most fun I've had in months. Just like being being on stage with the, the full band sound and the people actually there and the, the merch table set up. Yeah, I mean, given everyone's wearing masks, but whatever. I mean, it still just felt like a, a supportive, fun. It felt like the way it should be. Yeah, and over the past six months, we've had a lot of different stories about quarantine and lockdown and this whole um, kind of era. But I thought yours was one of the more interesting because of how it happened that you guys had actually closed on a house, was getting ready for tour the same day, and then COVID hit and kind of threw everything upside down. Exactly. Yeah. At the man, it was so nuts. At the it was March 11th, uh, the the closing of our house. It, it, you know, we were kind of like, all right, everybody, sign real quick before you change your minds, because the world was just like closing <laughs> on fire, us. right? No, Larry, we, our, our our family went through the same thing. We actually. Uh, closed on one house on, it was on valentine's day and then the whole world shut down like a week later and now we're closing on our old house september 11th and it's basically okay well you technically don't have to be here for it you can just sign the documents and, and we'll just give them to the other people and they'll sign and, and move on with the, with your life <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's so strange and uh yeah we, our plan was you know to literally close on close on the house, go to the new house just to, we, we were joking, we're just going to go order a pizza just so we can like sit on the floor and have a meal there before we leave for six weeks. And then it was just packing and leaving, you know, seven hours later. And in those seven hours between closing and getting ready to get in our van, you know, the whole tour got canceled. It was, we were supposed to be gone for almost two months. Yeah, and it's, I think this really shows like who has the grit, right? Because a lot of people... They're kind of like, and I and I get this because I kind of feel the same way. Like, oh man, I need that energy of the live audience, and I need to be in my routine of going out and playing live. But you guys, like I said earlier, it, it wasn't like you skipped the beat and you did the next logical thing and actually made an album, songs in the key of quarantine, to kind of encapsulate this era. What was it like recording that out, like in your home, pushing all the buttons yourself, and being outside of an actual studio? It was fun, you know. I really enjoyed it. It was a learning process for sure. Um, my husband and I did it together. Um, we had always produced our own albums, so that wasn't uh, so much of like new territory. We were already comfortable producing it ourselves, but um, the pressure was really low. It wasn't like we were paying by the day or by the hour, and we didn't have necessarily a deadline. It was just kind of like we want to do this project. We, you know, the sooner the better. While because we have no idea how long this is going to go on for and we wanted to release it while it's still topical right that was our own that was the only thing really putting the pressure on us beyond that it was just like you know if we weren't feeling like going in the studio we we, would take a nap instead you know and the day (laughs) right it felt right um uh but yeah all in all um a good experience and i gotta say like i'm proud that we did it and when i look back on this time even if i think like man i fucking wasted a lot of time on facebook or whatever or i slept too much Mm -hmm. at least i did this (laughs) 
Yeah, like I said, it was a smart transition, and I see all these shows you guys are playing. I'm just really impressed of how you've been able to kind of evolve and adapt, because these are definitely uncertain times. Thank you. And, you know, we were fortunate that we were able to get that extra pandemic unemployment and that, you know, helped, you know, make things not quite so scary and hectic for a while. Um, But we knew that wouldn't last. And I mean, that's over now. So it's just been like, well, what can we do to, to, to keep working? And if doing it from home seems like the safest, most logical thing to do, well, we're going to try our best to make that work. And, you know, in the beginning, yeah, it was awkward. The whole not having the, the audience there, because I think, you know, almost every artist will say they feed off the audience. And I, I yeah. feel it's the same way. But I always keep, you know, the laptop open close enough that I can read the comments that are coming in during the stream. And it just that became the norm of just I was interacting with the audience based on what they're typing in the chat. And one of the coolest things that I just I find I'm getting so much joy out of is that. I mean, given, you know, on a Monday night, there'll be, you know, different people coming in and out of the stream. But there's there's been this like core fan base of like, you know, it's not huge. Maybe it's like 30 people that are just always there every Monday, no matter what, you know, no matter what they have going on, they're always going to be there. And these people are like, they're not, you know, people I necessarily know in real life. And they're from all over the country. And there's even some, you know, there's one guy from Italy that's there every week. And this chick from from Michigan. And these people, because they're there every week, they've got, they've gotten to know each other. And they've formed a friendship with each other. And I see them talking with each other in the chat. Like, they'll say, oh, I noticed Joe's not here. Wonder where Joe is. And then, you know, half an hour later, Joe will come. Hey, everybody, sorry I'm late. I had to work late or whatever. So it's like seeing that camaraderie happen within this like super fan group that's there and they've even like named themselves the Monday night crew. And uh, I just, I, I love seeing this like friendship and camaraderie build between these strangers via this Facebook live stream feed. So you got to promise me something. If you ever get like some ridiculous lump sum of money, like $20 million, you'll start a new social media platform called Hope Book. Because it sounds like that's the seed of it right there, and you guys could just play and get yeah. everybody to comment, and it would be such a great departure from what we have now. Yes. <sighs> yes, I promise. Hope book it is. All righty. <laughs> ching, ching. <laughs> You'll be my VP. I don't know if I could take on that kind of responsibility. All right. Treasurer, <laughs> secretary, what do you got? <laughs> Sergeant of Arms, please. PR, MC. All the above. I think PR would work for me, right? You don't want me reading the minutes so now. I think PR would work for me. All right, you're hired. See, I got a job during COVID. There you go, D. Look at that. Look at that. Speaking of family, I know um the rockabilly community. Uh, I I I had the been fortunate enough to play with a couple rockabilly bands way back in the day. And it, uh, and it always, the one thing that it always felt like is, is like it's this tight knit community. I mean, I remember the show we played, uh, we played in Baltimore. There was people that came from Virginia, North Carolina, New York, um, all the way down just to see, you know, this band. Um, can you describe that community and how, and how um, it affected you? First, can you tell me what bands you were in? I'm curious. Uh, I was in a band called The Fallen One. And, um, and we played at the sidebar a couple times, and I'm trying to remember the names of the rockabilly bands that we played with. This was this was back in 2005, 2006 time frame. So uh, I've played the sidebar. Oh, you see, <laughs> which is an awesome club, by the way. So anybody Are listening, they still? Uh, 
still around? They're still yeah. they're still around. They're um they're still around um as far as I know. Um I know the Auto Bar um has uh put up a fund uh, a GoFundMe page, so I think they're on a little more um duress than than the sidebar is. So um you know, the effects yeah. of, of what's going on um, is taking some taking some pretty cool places away from us, though. Well, they say about Hopefully 80% they of, like, independent bars are going to shut down in clubs. Yeah, and that's, that's what really... It is really going to change the landscape, man. It's going to be scary. Oh, I sure hope that's not true. Well, as somebody who's still so involved in the music world, let me ask you this. What do you think the post-pandemic music scene is going to look like? I, th- I feel like we're going to like people are going to be so used to getting likes online that instead of applause, they're just going to go out there and be like, just send us likes. We're going to have a computer up here on stage. We, we can't handle <laughs> like actual like verbal noise or applause anymore. Just sit there silently and send us your likes and comments. <laughs> I mean, part of me thinks that, yeah, people are getting used to uh, viewing from home, but there's part of me that just, you know, refuses to think that people aren't really missing the live experience and aren't also going to want to flock out once it's safe to do so. I just, I mean, personally, I mean, I'm happy to go to an outdoor show right now, but once it's safe, of course, like, I will be happy to support indoor acts. Um, But I think that there are people that, didn't even realize what an impact live music has had on them and now for sure have it yes they're missing it 100% agree yeah and it's going to explode I've said this before once live acts can come back in full force people are going to go banana boat and be like an ever I know I'm going to be at a ton of shows as soon as it opens back up Sure. And I kind of hope that the house concert thing takes off. I mean, I hope that no venues need to go out of business due to COVID, but I, I also think that there's something pretty cool about the uh, like house and I'm not talking house parties. I mean like actual, you know, seated house concerts where people are there to really pay attention and watch. And we played one Saturday that, you know, this woman sold tickets in advance and people were there because they really gave a shit. And it was, it was yeah. kind of magical. And it's a what? sense of community too, you know, yeah. I mean, you get that community feel, which I think, is really lacking now. And it's, and it's one of those things that I think is going to really keep everybody together. Cause right now, you know, you, you go in your house, you're in your house, you may go out here and there, like you were saying, but I think that is something that will actually bridge that gap again is, is, is having like shows in your backyard and enjoying each other's company as well. Yeah. I like the house concerts also because when you're playing a bar or a club, strangers don't generally talk to each other, you know, unless they're hitting on each other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in just a, but when you're at a house show, it seems like people are more inclined to just, you know, strike up a conversation with the person that's sitting. Well, now the person that's sitting six feet away from them. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. So but you know you've, what I mean. you've got an unreleased album and here to tell the tale. And I got to tell you, man, I you sent me a copy. I think this is some of y'all's best work ever. And the thing that occurred to me, yeah, I mean, I I had a really hard Mm -hmm. time picking out which song I was going to play tonight. But here's what really struck me. It's like, man, it's got to be driving you fucking insane to have to sit on this album, especially this album is so excellent. And you have to sit on this album and you're not able to tour on it. And you can't even I mean, you probably could release it, but to have to kind of sit on it and not be able to tour on it, that's got to be driving you nuts. It it would be driving me more nuts if I didn't just release another album because I'm just happy that I was able to put something out in the meantime. But um, right. I mean, as much as I want to tour on the album, it's 
it's not even the lack of touring that's preventing me. That's definitely part of it. But it's really the financial aspect. It's like, if I'm going to bother putting this album out that we put so much work and effort and money into already, I want to be able to hire a proper publicist and a radio person. I don't want to just put it out and not have anybody know about it. So, it, But it's like right mm-hmm. now, we're financially a little bit, you know, unstable. So I, I, I can't, in good conscience, like go spend money that I don't have or money that I need to save to pay my mortgage to put the album out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I know. If we had a lab- label support, that would be one thing. But we're, you know, right now, it's this album, I believe we're going to be putting it out independently. So I don't know. And I've thought a little bit about maybe doing a pre-order campaign, which might be something that we do. But you know what? To be totally honest, as an independent artist, like I'm so engulfed in, in the in the the behind the scenes aspect of the band, you know, the the promotional aspects, the booking, the, you know, the PR, the graphic design that part of the quarantine is in a way like been a welcome departure from having to do that kind of administrative work all the time. And just being able to just put this album on hold temporarily has just given me a chance to like take a deep breath. Right, right. You get to exhale and kind of regroup and it's a good way to recharge your batteries and kind of look at everything from a fresh perspective too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. So have you been able to play any of these songs out live on the limited shows you've been doing, or have you been keeping all these songs pretty close to the vest? We have. I mean, I'm, we, I kind of like to be able to, to test some of the songs out in front of a live audience and see how they feel mm-hmm. um, or see if we get any feedback. And then, you know, as a way to sort of uh, help me make decisions of whether they're done or whether they're worth recording before going into the studio and actually laying them down. So I mean, a couple of them we've barely played out, but some of them we've been playing out for two years, you know, since the last album. Oh, really? I did oh, not wow. know that. Okay, okay. So it's a little bit, of, yeah, a little bit of everything. Like, there are one or two songs that I think we've only ever played out once ever. But, you know, a couple of them are, we, we wrote a long time ago. All right, well, we're going to play some I Drink to Your Health. Um, is there anything you want to tell us about this besides the fact you're in sobriety right now, right? You're not drinking currently? That's 110 days. No, 300, 310 days. But 310 oh, days. Oh, wow. Wow. Congratulations. Thank but, you. Nice. Yeah. So is there anything you want to tell us about the song? Is the song kind of a nod to that, or was this written pre-sobriety? Yeah, this was definitely written pre-sobriety. This was um, the, the <laughs> chorus. I drink to your health when I'm with you. I drink to your health when I'm alone. I've drank to your health so damn many times that I've already ruined my own. That's like yes. an old Irish toast. And my, uh, I like to say it's an old Irish toast that my old Jewish grandma used to say. So, uh, I, you know, at, at, you know, before dinner, you know, she would stand up and she'd say that. And I always just thought it was so funny and cute. I was like, all right, I want to use that as just like the hook for a tune. And I actually wrote this tune. This is, this is, that's the oldest tune on the album. I wrote that song maybe like seven years ago. And Matt and I, Matt, who's my, my bass player slash husband, mm-hmm. um, we had been, rec- we've been uh, performing that song as a duo for quite a number of years and then um just one day kind of dawned on because we, we try to keep them the music separate like we try to write different songs for the duo than we do for the full band the duo is like a little more country and a little more folky whereas the full band's a little more rock and roll and rockabilly right. and, you know sometimes um but i thought you know this one i think the full band would really do it justice so like a couple of years back i taught it to the rest of the guys and then we started closing our shows with it and it just it, people really get into the song, so I'm I'm glad. So it's actually there's a stripped down duo version of this song on the on on our last album from the Gold Hope duo from um 2000 and. 
16, I think, but it sounds pretty different than, than this version with the, with the drums and the lead guitar. So, so yeah, not, not really a new one per se, but a new one for the full band. All right. Well, we'll play this now and then we'll end the show with let's go. That way we're playing another new one off the album. Yeah. That one's, that one's newly written. (laughs) Gotcha. All right. I drink to your health when I'm with you. I drink to your health when I'm all alone. I drink to your health so damn many times that I've already ruined my own. I drink to your health when I'm with you. They say the love is a burial ground. You got me 
Yeah, we have returned. Sarah yes. Hope. Um, Lara, for all the cats and kittens out there who don't know a little bit about your history, tell us how the Arctomes um, formed. Did you and Matt meet each other through playing in the different bands in the scene, or and then you guys got together and started the Arctones? Like, tell me kind of how that transition happened. Kind of what you said is accurate. Um, when Matt and I met, uh, we were both focused in other bands. I was uh, playing in like a punk rock, hard rock trio called Tiger Piss. And um, how do I hear Matt, some of that? Oh, there's four albums on Spotify. Really? Oh my god! I'm nice. Yeah, I played uh, electric bass and sang for that band. All right. Um, so yeah, I was doing Tiger Piss, and Matt was uh, playing in a, like a New York City psychobilly band called the Arkhams. And um, we both were a part of a, a traveling variety show called the, the Coney Island Rock and Roll Road Show. That oh, wow. uh, it was so. We're, this is 2012, 2011 or 2012. I'm going back to. It was. Um, we, we traveled with two bands and a sideshow act and a burlesque dancer and an MC. And um, Matt and I, we knew each other a little bit from the scene, but we got to actually know each other when we were, we both were a part of this tour with our, with our respective bands at the time. And then um, I was also in another band at the time that was a little bit more of a traditional rockabilly band called Lara Hope and the Champ Tones. Right. And, I'm familiar um, with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Champ, Champ Tone was uh, my guitar player at the time. He is a, a luthier that builds custom Telecasters, and his company name is Champ Tone Guitars. So when I kind of parted ways with them, I didn't want to keep that name because that's his business name. Right, um, right. And, and, and I kind of, my bandmates at the time, like one of them moved to Texas, one of them moved to New Orleans, but we had, we had all these shows still booked and I was not willing to give them up. So I kind of looked at Matt and we were, we were like just starting to date at the time. And I said, man, like I need a band. Is there any way that your band, the Arkhams can just like back me up for these summer shows until I can, you know, figure out a more permanent lineup. So we just switched the name to the Arctones because it was the Arkhams backing up what was Larry Hope and the Champ Tones. That is so uh, serendipitous. Nice. Okay. That's man. awesome. Awesome. And then it stuck. Like right now, you know, I I don't have the other members from the Arkhams. It's just Matt. We ended up getting other players that you know were more local because they were a New York City band, and now we live upstate in Kingston, which is by Woodstock, New York. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But the, but yeah, that's that's how the name started. It's uh, it's just a word we made up. <laughs> so how long has the actual band as it exists today been around? The Arkhams been around as they are today. Um, well, so the Arctones with, with, well, yeah, we changed the name to the Arctones uh, being Matt and I in 2012. So eight years. And then our lineup has changed a little bit over the course of the years. It's obviously always been Matt on upright bass and me, um, mm-hmm. singing and playing guitar, but we've had, I'd say two or three different drummers and two or three different guitar players throughout the eight years. Right on. Okay. I, I know I had read that you started, uh, primarily like through open mics and things of that nature. Then, and then, then the band started happening. Can you explain how important open mics are to people? A lot of people. And I, uh, I think what we were talking about earlier, as far as the, um, the, the backyard shows or the, the live shows online, I've noticed a lot of artists during this time are pretty much having open mic just, you know, visually through their computer. But how did that help you out as far as, uh, getting your, uh, 
uh, setting setting you up for things. Yeah, I imagine that's a huge confidence builder. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. I'm, like, a huge proponent for open mic night. And there's always haters. You know, I've seen people that are like, open mic is just a bar taking advantage of people playing for free. But it's not. It's really, I, I truly believe it's 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 so much more. Um, when I moved to the area that I live in now, I didn't know anybody. I transferred here to go to college, and I knew, I think, I had one friend. And, I mean, just for starters, open, playing the open mic nights introduced me to so many musicians in the area and got me familiar with the bartenders and the bar owners and just other like-minded people. So just as a, you know, the music aside, it just, you know, introduced me to, it It was in a way that I could make friends and meet people that I could, you know, potentially collaborate with. And then it also, you know, it just gave me confidence. So at the time I had, you know, I was, I was, well, I guess I started them in college. So, you know, I was 20, maybe 19 and I was nervous, you know, I had never really played in front of people before. It just, it gave me an opportunity to get out in a place that, you know, is not judgmental. There's, you know, people of all different skill levels, but a lot of people that are just mm-hmm. starting out and a lot of people that are trying out new ideas. Like you write this song, you have no idea if it's, if it's going to work, if, if you even like it, but you know, you go to open mic night and you try it out and you, you know, see how it feels and hopefully you can get some, some feedback from people. So, I mean, I think it's a great way to get your foot in the door to try out new material or even like, I've always said if I decided to move to just a new city and I needed to start all over again, that's the first thing I would do. I would just look for whatever open mic nights were in the city and I would go there and I'd start playing and I guarantee I could meet like-minded people that way. Yep. Right on. Hey, so let me kind of finish up with this because I was kind of reading a little bit about your background and like that 50s aesthetic. And D, you could talk to this. I've been saying, God, I mean, me and D have been together for over 10 years and I've always said I was born 80 years too late. I wish I grew up, or not even grew up, I wish I was in my mid-20s in the 20s. Because that seems like such an amazing time to be a young adult. Everything is new, everything is fresh, people had style. Do you kind of feel that same way about the 50s? Yes and no. I mean, this, yeah, the, the music and the, and the fashion, um, the cars, the interior design... Yeah. Like, yeah, all of that. And even just like the, the enthusiasm for the live show and, and, you know, rock the birth of rock and roll and, you know, it's teenage rock and roll craze. Like, yeah, of course that I, I, I do feel like I'm, I'm trying to have a music career in an era where there is not much of a music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet again, I'm happy that I can wear pants and vote and own property. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, those are know, always good. Like, we're not, we're not segregated. Like, so, you know, there's, I, I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. Your boss. Isn't cha- chasing you around the desk like a nine to five, speaking to Dolly Parton, exactly. that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> and but the music industry now, I mean, like I said, I can't even imagine what the world's going to look like post pandemic. People say back to normal, but I think at this point there'll only be before and after. I don't think anything's ever between you know this administration and the pandemic. I don't think anything's ever going to go back totally to how we used to know it. And call me an optimist. But maybe it'll be better in different ways. You know, I think mm-hmm. that a lot of people weren't necessarily happy. Tr- truth be told, like, go back to February pre-pandemic, I wasn't that happy. Like, I was going through a lot of shit back then that I, I know I feel a lot more grounded and a lot calmer now, even despite the pandemic, just because I've had a chance to freaking slow down and reevaluate, like, how I want to pursue this, how I want to do this, and what I want to do differently moving forward. 
And you've had the time to do that. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show, um, reading about that book, You Should Quit All Social Media Right Now type book. I think, um, like, I need to do a purge, right, D? And just get off social media for like a month and see what happens. I did it a few years ago, and it was actually really healthy for me. It's like a necessary evil, though, for folks like us, because you need it to promote what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's true, but I could just go to like our mm-hmm. Facebook fan page and promote it and not look at anything else. Put blinders on and just I'm just gonna go on here, post this one thing, and yeah, get in and get out. Good luck, good luck with that. You know, yeah, well, it's impossible. Said than done. Yeah, especially <laughs> like, now. I'm gonna buy cigarettes to quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but and especially nowadays because like my only almost my only communication with people outside of this house is like talking to people on the show or talking to people through facebook so it's almost even more necessary now but it's also a lot more damaging to our psyche now i feel like yeah i agree i told my husband the other day that he is no longer allowed to read world news when he first wakes up in the morning <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to know my coffee ritual. Like, I'm raging by, like, 7 a.m. Yeah, it's it's not good. I've actually, just in the past couple weeks, started this new morning routine. Like, it's a little bit woo-woo, but I just, things are so fucking crazy right now. It's like, you know, get up, you know, just sit in silence and breathe for five minutes, journal for five minutes, read something that's not on your phone for five minutes, and exercise for five minutes, Mm -hmm. and then go start your day. And you know what? I've been doing that for about two weeks, and after 20 minutes, like, I feel pretty damn good. I think the only way I'm going to survive long enough to ever see Hope Book is to do what you just said. I think I need to do your your five minutes of working out, five minutes of meditating every day, and then maybe I'll make it long long enough to see Hope Book come true, and then I'll be okay. Do it for me, yeah. All righty. I think we'll end there. Before we go, can you please tell everybody where to find you, speaking of the internets, where to find you on the good old interwebs? Yes, it's really easy. It's larahope.net, spelled L-A-R-A-H-O-P-E.net. And you can find everything from there. You can go to the Instagram, the Facebook, the web store, uh, even a link to the duo band, everything from there, larahope.net. And you're streaming every Monday still, correct? Every Monday from Lara Hope and the Arctones Facebook page. Also from my personal personal Facebook page, which is a public profile, so we don't have to be friends, um, Lara Hope on Facebook. Right on. And any other outdoor shows coming up we should know about? We do, yeah. I mean, they're mostly in New York and a couple in New Jersey. Um, uh, So, you know, nothing farther than that. Um, Yeah, we'll be up in Rhinebeck by us this Friday night. Uh, It's a lot of stuff at, like, uh, breweries, cideries, uh, wineries, craft beer places, kind of mostly stuff like that for now, just because those are the only places that are willing to have outdoor live music right now that have enough space to do it outside safely. Right on. All right, well, we're going to play some Let's Go off the unreleased album. Oh, I didn't ask you. Do you have a release date on that yet, or is everything just too chaotic to even set one? I don't have one. I wish I did. All righty. Well, I'm sure you'll update it as soon as possible. As soon as possible. All righty. All right. Well, I want to thank you for calling in tonight and sharing a little bit of your history and a lot of your music. Thank you all so much. All righty. Thank you. Bye, Lara. Alrighty, we are going to get out of here, but we are going to do a bonus episode, right, Odell, with Apollo's son, because he's got a new track, and I knew I had to get him in here and talk about it, because he's kind of running a little campaign with it, and it's really important. Yes. D, would you like the final word? The final word. It's the final D word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh.